What is up? Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. My name is Kate, registered dietitian and emotional eating coach. Each episode, I will bring you a motivational message or an inspiring guest to help you make informed nutrition decisions that fuel your life, not restrict it. Whether you are new to the podcast or an OG listener, thanks for spending this time with me today. Now, let's get into it. Joe Rogan. Mm, your voice is a little higher than his. <laughs> this is true. Thank goodness for that. Okay, well, hey guys, <laughs> this is not the Joe Rogan podcast, so if you think you're there, <laughs> I've got, well, I don't want to say it's bad news, because it's good news you're here. You're going to learn a lot of information from today's episode, but we are not Joe Rogan. I'm dietitian Kate, and I'm here with Megan. What's up, guys? She's also a dietitian. We are both dietitians. We have a guest. <laughs> talking about nutrition, raising awareness about nutrition. Just in case you don't know who we are, now you should know. So today we are talking about something that gets really controversial for some people, but it's important to talk about. And the more information that nutritionists and dietitians can put out there about the ketogenic diet, the better it is for everybody. So everybody can have a good understanding of what the heck the keto diet that we keep hearing about is all about. It has to be something people are asking about because it is the most popular post on our blog is my experiment with the ketogenic diet. So people are asking about it. People want to know about it. So we're putting out a podcast about it. Mm, We're giving the people what they want. Yep. Yep. And we're definitely going to bring up some of the things that you talked about on your experience with the ketogenic diet blog. But first, we got to share something else with the audience with some we got awesome information here. We got awesome opportunities for you guys because if you're interested in ketogenic diets, there's probably a chance you've also been interested in intermittent fasting. They go hand in hand. They sure do. Some people do both of them. It's crazy. So if you guys want to know more about intermittent fasting, Megan put together a free guide. All you got to do is go to go.orlandodietitian.com backslash intermittent fasting and it will go straight to your inbox. You'll get the free guide about intermittent fasting and all, well not all the information you need, but a good introduction so you can decide whether intermittent fasting is something you should experiment with, which hint hint, it it probably is. And if you've already gotten the freebie and you're like, I need more about intermittent fasting, you know this is something that you should be doing, Megan also just launched her master intermittent fasting seven day course. This is an online course unlike any other. It's designed to take all of the guesswork out of fasting. It's gonna teach you what fasting can do for you in a safe and sustainable way. Guys, let me say that again for the people in the back. Safe and sustainable way, this is really important. This is gonna get you the results that you want, such as losing weight, getting better, more improved sleep, and just your overall health is gonna be better. So the first 100 people to sign up for the course through this podcast will get $50 off, yeah, 50 buckaroos off with code PODCAST. To access the course, head over to orlandodietitian.com, click the shop button, and then courses, and don't forget code PODCAST gets you $50 off. That's pretty awesome. So if you guys have listened to our podcast before, We love segments. We like to have at least some consistency with these episodes as we still get into the jive of how this whole podcasting thing works. It's kind of weird. So today's frequently asked question, the FAQ, is 
what are some yummy, healthy drink alternatives to help kick my soda habit? So I get this all the time, people who just hate plain water and they're relying on maybe not just soda, but other sort of sweetened drinks that aren't getting them closer to their goals, things they don't really need or care for, they're just drinking them because they always have. So my first uh, suggestion is gonna be seltzer waters. There are so many different brands of seltzer waters out there now, they are definitely becoming a food trend. Uh, LaCroix, Bubbly, Waterloo, Trader Joe's even has their own seltzer with a splash. Dasani even has some. Just make sure you're choosing the ones without artificial sweeteners. Sometimes you can go into grocery chains and find sparkling waters, but they're full of a bunch of random artificial sweeteners. You don't want that. That's probably going to make your stomach hurt. Choose ones that are a lot more natural. If you're not a fan of seltzer waters, because some people just describe them as water with a faint taste of flavor, that's cool, I get you. they're not for everybody. They are helpful if you like the carbonation, but there are other alternatives. Kombucha is a really good option. It's gonna have a lot less sugar than soda or sweet tea or sweetened sports drinks that, you, that people are chugging down. So go for kombucha. There's also any kind of coffee that doesn't have any sweetener added and mushroom coffee. So if you're interested in knowing more about mushroom coffee, there's actually a blog that Megan wrote on the website about nootropics and you can learn about the mushroom coffees that we recommend. And there's also fruit infused waters. You can make these at home with your own fruit if you're feeling savvy and you wanna cut up all the fruit and put it in a pitcher of water yourself. But there's also some brands that have that fruit infused taste without the carbonation like the brand Hint. And I should say, none of these are sponsored. I'm just telling you guys what I actually use and recommend. And then of course, there are always gonna be herbal teas and unsweetened green teas that you can swap out for water. Now it's important to know that these will dehydrate you. Anything with caffeine is gonna dehydrate you, so you still wanna make sure you're drinking water. This is just something you can add in to shake up your routine. So if you guys have a frequently asked question that actually is frequently asked, feel free to email it to me at kate at orlandodietitian.com and you might get featured on the next episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, let's dive into today's topic, which is the ketogenic diet. Dun, dun, dun. So if you have not heard about the ketogenic diet, do you live under a rock? Just kidding. That's me being sassy. I'm sorry. But let's, let's kind of start with the basics here and talk about what the heck the ketogenic diet is and get real sciencey for you fellow geeks. So the ketogenic diet is a way of eating where a person obtains at least 70% of their calories from fat less than 25% from protein, and no more than 5-10% to from carbohydrate. So for most people, this means restricting your carbohydrate intake to below 50 grams per day. To put that in perspective, a typical banana has about 30 grams of carbohydrate. So that's not a lot at all. So why is the ketogenic diet called keto? Well, because the body is using ketones for energy instead of glucose. Ketones are the byproducts of fatty acids. So when fat is used for fuel instead of carbohydrates, ketones are produced. And when those carbohydrates are used for energy, glucose is used. 
And glucose is the body's preferred source of energy, meaning it's always going to utilize glucose, whether it's stored or whether ingested first. It's always gonna go for that glucose right away. If protein is consumed in excess, the body undergoes gluconeogenesis and produces glucose as a byproduct. And that's why protein is also gonna be restricted on the ketogenic diet. That's why you don't have as much protein as you will fat in a ketogenic diet. So how did the ketogenic diet come about? How did this how did this whole thing start? Why is this this weight loss craze right now? Um, I would say prior to 2012, I think only clinicians had ever heard of the ketogenic diet because it was used as a treatment for children with epilepsy. And a lot of times when people hear this, they're like, what? How did this come about? And I remember being a dietitian and having to cover the pediatric floors and only having maybe one or two patients who ever were were trying to undergo this ketogenic diet and stay in this ketogenic diet to treat their seizures. And I remember how hard it was for them, for a child. Think about for a kid, when you go to them and you're like, you can't have pizza, you can't have ice cream, you can't have cookies. Literally, you cannot eat carbohydrates. And for most of them, they would have to just drink this drink. Like, I mean, because prior to 2012, it wasn't a popular thing, so we didn't have all these crazy products like we do now today, which thank goodness for these kids who actually need to be doing this diet that we have all these keto cookies and blah, blah, blah. But back then, it was like they were drinking basically an Ensure that was just a bunch of oil. Yeah, we had our own ketogenic dietitian at the hospital, and she was always doing these crazy formulas that I would look at and be like, this stinks. Like, who would want to do this? It, it would. It's not a fun diet to be on, you know, when it first originated to treat those seizures and that epilepsy in children. Yeah, so I don't know who all of a sudden started doing the research to say like, hey, if this could benefit the brains of epileptic, epileptic children, could it possibly benefit those of normal adults? So researchers since the 1960s have, um, have been looking at the ketogenic diet and showed that it is effective for weight loss and improved insulin resistance. So there's a lot of emerging dating, emerging data out there that suggests these neurological benefits, even decreased cancer risks. Please note, I am saying that evidence exists. That does not mean the verdict is in. That does not mean it's not going to cause other negative effects elsewhere. It's just these are some of the reasons why this has become a popular thing just in the last 10 years or so. Yep, exactly. So let's talk about what the ketogenic diet is made of in terms of food. So what can you eat? Well, you can eat any kind of full-fat dairy, including cheese, plain yogurt, butter. You can also have greens in your diet, spinach, kale, nuts, seeds, nut butters, oils, coconut, even small amounts of cacao, avocado, and small portions of fatty fish, beef, and eggs. Some veggies are allowed also, but you gotta be kind of mindful about your servings because even though veggies are very healthful, they're carbohydrates and it's gonna add up if you have large portions. So what you can't have on this diet is more of a a long list there. Yeah, it's a a lot easier to just think about what you can't eat. Um, And no, no bread, no fruit, no starchy vegetables like potatoes or corn. No cookies, candy, ice cream, pizza, no sandwiches, no rice, no quinoa, no grains, you know, no cereal, oatmeal, waffles, smoothies, <laughs> no beer, no protein bars. Basically, most foods are off limits. 
And I think one of the biggest misconceptions that people have is that this is like the Adkins diet where you can eat as much meat as you want to. That is 100% not true because too much protein will kick you out of ketosis. And the whole entire goal of this diet is to eat enough fat so your body produces ketones. With too much protein, your body will not produce ketones. It will turn that protein into glucose in your system, and we don't have to get into how, how that happens, but your body's really smart, and it, and it can divert that energy, turn it into glucose, so you cannot eat unlimited amounts of bacon, despite what a lot of blogs will tell you. You can drink the bacon grease, though, <laughs> if you're so inclined. Mm, uh, yeah, I used to know somebody who did that, and they put it on their, um, well, they weren't doing the keto diet, but they would save the bacon grease and put it on their toast. <laughs> That's another... <laughs> This just came to my mind there, but yeah, don't do that. Not recommended. <laughs> but exactly. So so I think you and I have seen this a lot where people come in and they maybe have tried the ketogenic diet or they're playing around with it now and they show us their food logs and we're seeing that they're eating tons of protein. I had somebody the other day who thought they were doing it and they were eating 175 grams of protein. Nope. And I was like, I, I'm sure this is the, <laughs> I know this is the, the issue. I mean, their carbs were extremely low. But their protein was way too high. So you're not in ketosis. You're not in ketosis. So that does re- still restrict what you can eat. And keep in mind that cheese and eggs, those all have protein in them too. It's not just chicken and, and meat. Those things have protein in them as well. So you still have to limit those foods if you are following a ketogenic diet. So long story short, it's restrictive. Yeah, and the other thing is too, like you think maybe, you know, maybe you're used to eating quote-unquote healthy and you're used to doing things like lean chicken breast that's not really super smart when you're doing the ketogenic diet because it's all protein without a lot of fat you have to switch to those really fattier cuts of meat that maybe you're not necessarily used to if you've been trying to eat quote healthy i just got the heebie-jeebies like thinking about those fatty parts of meat like, <laughs> like when you buy rotisserie like the gelatinous like yes. <laughs> oh my gosh no thank you oh, main part of the diet delish <laughs> okay so yeah so speaking of that Megan is a brave soul, and she's actually done the ketogenic diet to test it twice? Twice, yeah. Two times at least. Um, maybe maybe even three, but at, at least twice. And the reason why I did it was, just a disclaimer here, not to lose weight, not to, I guess, tout the ketogenic diet and all of its wonderful benefits, but it was to just be able to talk to people on a personal level of this is what happens in your body when you try to do this, or at least this is what my experience in doing this was. And I think it really helps me to level with people instead of them coming into the office and saying, hey, I want to try the ketogenic diet and me immediately shutting them down and saying, no, that's stupid. Absolutely do not do that. I can kind of talk to them about the pros and the cons and what that experience is really like. And if I think that that's going to jive well with their current lifestyle, with their current habits, and if it's going to be something that I think that they can maintain for the long haul. I think that's really important for any dietitians listening is to, if somebody approaches you and they're interested about the keto uh, ketogenic diet, don't automatically tell them and shut them down that that's wrong because for some people it could work. Now that's important to get to, that's the, that's why it's important to get to know the people you're working with and get to understand where they're coming from and their current struggles and their current needs before you can really give them recommendations. But hey, everybody should have the right to try something that they feel really strongly about. And so a dietitian's job is to help them do it the right way, the right healthy way that we know how to. So don't, if, if somebody comes in and they want to try the ketogenic diet, 
don't automatically toss that idea in the garbage, sit through, talk it through, and come up with something that's really going to help the client, whether that's keto, whether it's a modification of keto, or something totally different. Yeah, because if it's something that they're really motivated about and then you're automatically shutting them down, they're just going to go to somebody else. You know, they're going to they're gonna get their information off of Instagram and be like, yeah, that, that dietitian told me that this was stupid, and yet my cousin's sister lost 58 pounds in two weeks doing this diet, and I see other people doing it. I tried to go to a professional for help, but then she just shut me down. Yeah, exactly. And you want, you want the people to come to see a professional because at least we can give you the information that's going to keep you safe and help you do it right. And I've worked with people who are, they have a good relationship with food, they do have weight loss goals, but when they do things like the ketogenic diet, a lot of times, I don't want to say it's a hobby, but it's something they enjoy and they're just those people that are very extreme in everything that they, they like do. They a challenge. Exactly. They yeah. want to do it. So mm-hmm. who am I to tell them no? Yeah. No. It's, a, it's the same reason I, I try to go vegan every January. It's a challenge. It's challenging. It's fun. It's fine to, fun to try and go out and go to a restaurant and see if you can find anything that's vegan. And it's not, I'm not going to be vegan forever for the rest of my life, but it's a cool challenge to start in January. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your ketogenic stories. Tell us you know the things you were feeling because we hear when we when we hear about keto we hear about people losing weight really rapidly a lot of people say they have improved mental focus they have more clarity they have more energy Mm -hmm. tell us everything yeah so when i started it i didn't really have an end point in mind i just kind of kind of started it one day i was like okay today's the day i'm going to start this i've been putting this off for a very long time because I have all these carb staples in my pantry. Yeah, you are. You like, <laughs> the way you eat is definitely definitely plant-based. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's not ketogenic in any way. So I had to start by getting a huge basket, taking my pantry, and taking out all the things that were not ketogenic. So I took out the chocolate chips. I took out the oats. I took out the cereals. I took out, like, the tortilla chips, the bonitos, like, all the, all the beans, all the things that were even healthy food. Foods. I had to take them out because I did not want them in my site because I didn't want to get tempted. Even things like RX bars and foods that you typically would be like, oh, that's, you know, something healthy you could grab on the go, like pre-made protein shakes, all that stuff had to go. And so what I was left with was a pretty empty pantry and refrigerator. <laughs> Can we just take a moment of silence for all that delicious food that got, <laughs> got tossed? It didn't get tossed. I put it in a basket and put it in the spare room and put a blanket over top of it. Okay, good. We can all breathe now. Because I knew that this probably wasn't going to something going to be something I did forever for the rest of my life. So I just put that stuff in the back. It was all kind of like pantry, shelf-stable stuff, and it didn't get thrown away. Phew. Yeah, so um, so day one, I started the day with some fat bombs, which is a popular thing in the ketogenic world, where you basically, you know, melt down some coconut oil, throw in some almond flour, maybe even like a little bit of avocado, some nuts, some chia seeds, maybe some peanut butter, and that's what I started my breakfast with. I typically... I'm not huge on savory breakfast on most days. I, I don't really like to turn on the stove. If I have a slow morning, sure, maybe I'll make some eggs or something like that. But for the most part, I like my breakfast to be something I can kind of grab on the go. So I made some of those. They tasted pretty delicious. I thought everything that I was eating was pretty high in fat. But then I went and put all of this stuff into a calculator because it was something that I was new at. I didn't know, you know, am I doing this right or wrong? So my fat bombs had chia seeds. They had some nuts and pecans, like I said, some spices and things like that. And then I look at it and it had 
Um, I have right here like 20 some grams of carbs in it. So all these things that I thought like, oh, this is low carb, it's fat based. Yeah, not so much. I needed to get a little more strict about that. That's crazy because it is is low carb. It's just not low carb as though it needs to be. Yes, exactly. Because I'm only allowed to get 50 grams of carbs in a day. So that right there is 20. And those are incidental carbs. So not things that you're thinking like, oh, I can't have an apple because it's got 25 grams. Like, no, not only can you not have an apple, but every single thing like uh, this i ate 20 hazelnuts that had five grams of carbs i had a couple cups of kale that had five grams of carbs avocado that had four grams of carbs even a quarter avocado had four grams of carbs a cucumber one and a half cucumber later on in the day that had six grams of carbs so it all adds up very very quickly so you think all these things you wouldn't think oh a cucumber that's high in carbohydrate like i you know that's not high in carbohydrate i can have that but it all adds up and that's something to keep in mind if you're thinking about embarking on something like this I think that's a good point because we forget a lot of things that are primarily fat foods even sometimes do have little bits of carbohydrate in them. And when we eat them a lot, like the hazelnuts or peanut butter, I mean, those carbs add up pretty quickly. Yep. So so that was kind of like a learning experience for me the first day. And I realized I was going to need to kind of put everything into a calculator before I was going to eat it to figure out if it was really, truly ketogenic. Um, one of the things that really, really messed with my head throughout this process is pretty soon after I started, maybe day one, day two, I looked better than I had ever looked in my life. So, like, I woke up in the morning and I was like, whoa, like, I have, I have abs. How did that happen? I don't understand. I've been trying to get abs my whole life. <laughs> all it took was a fat bomb. I've this for two days and all of a sudden I have abs. <laughs> So uh, let me preface this by saying that is not, it, it didn't stay that way. <laughs> it was just, it was just like a, a two day thing that I was like, oh, I have abs. And the reason why that happened is because my body got rid of all the water that it was holding onto from digesting carbohydrate. Your body just automatically needs water to help you digest carbohydrate. It needs water to help move that fiber along your system. It's not a healthy or an unhealthy thing. It's just life. That's how it is. That's how your digestion works. So just keep in mind, if you start this process and then you lose five pounds in a day, that will not continue throughout this process. It's just your body getting rid of water. Similarly to if you went and sat in a sauna for three hours and you sweat your ass off and then you weighed yourself, yeah, you're going to lose a lot of weight. You're going to lose a lot of water weight. And as soon as you drink more water and your cells take that water back up, you're going to gain that weight back. So no, I did not lose five pounds of fat in a day. I just lost a bunch of water overnight. Yep, so that muscle tone that you had, I don't want to say underneath your fat, <laughs> because you're it's not fine. fat it's, at it's all. Fine. It's fine. Yeah. Everybody's got a little bit on there. It's fine. It's fine. She's like dadding her eyes right now as tears come out. <laughs> I just called her fat. <laughs> but yeah, it just comes out. And I remember because we did the ketotarian experiment together too, which we'll, we can talk about. And I remember like take, looking at myself in the mirror and being like, Okay, ooh, like, ooh. hey, Kate. <laughs> Feeling encouraged. Yeah. Okay. And then when the experiment was over, we went to Epcot Food and Wine Festival. And the next day, I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, yeah. that's water. <laughs> Water's back with all the carbs. Because, yeah, water follows carbohydrate. That's just the name of the game. Yeah. Um, day two, I, I woke up and day two was actually really rough already. So my brain just felt like it was not working at all. 
I left my phone in the refrigerator. I, I could not find my phone. It, I was at the office. I'm like, where did my phone go? And for whatever reason, when I went to get my lunch out, I had put my phone in the refrigerator. So I just felt like words were not coming to me as easily. It was affecting my consultations. I just felt very foggy. Do you think that was the keto flu that you were going through? Not yet. I think it was that my brain was used to running off of glucose, and then all of a sudden I took that form of energy away from it that it had had for 30 years of its life, and said, yeah, I need you to run off of this thing, and I don't think I was yet in ketosis. So my body was struggling with, we don't have a fuel source here. And so your brain is one of the things in your body that needs fuel and it takes a lot of fuel for your brain to run so when you're not giving your body fuel you're not going to think as well yeah that's why a lot of people will wonder why they feel so exhausted after sitting in front of a computer working all day it's because your brain's using up a lot of mental energy yep um so then day three going into day three i woke up and i felt pretty awesome i was in a good mood i had high energy i even went and did a workout um and then i was like okay i can do this day three is good then day four, <laughs> day as you four. can tell, it was like a huge, it was a big roller coaster. I woke up and I was like, I can't get out of bed. I felt hungover. And that's where I think that keto flu started to happen to me. So I wasn't hungry. I had no desire to eat. I was so sick of my oil drenched salads with a bunch of olives and just, I ugh, like, I didn't want any of that. I just wanted blueberries. I wanted something crunchy. That's one thing on the keto diet that's um, I guess hard for me is that everything has a soft texture. Mm. There's nothing that has that crunch to it. And so I was wanting crunchy food. I was wanting blueberries. I was absent-minded. It just, it wasn't a good day. Powered through it. Um, next day, found out about Bulletproof Coffee. (laughs) (laughs) So it was something that I had heard of, you know, putting butter and MCT oil in your coffee. And I did that and I was like, yes, this is awesome. It's kind of sweet. Cause at that point you haven't had anything sweet for five days. You feel like coffee all of a sudden tastes super sweet and satisfying to you. And so I, I recognized that I was starting to live off of coffee versus living off of food. I was just kind of getting through the day because it was the only thing that I was really looking forward to. And I was starting to rely on like the full, I really just wanted like the full fat dairy. I was trying to put cacao nibs and chia seeds and all these things into my dairy. And it just ended up being higher in carb than I wanted it to be. So what I was finding like day five was that I was not, I didn't have a natural propensity towards these high fat foods. I wasn't craving these high fat foods like some people describe. Yeah, some people say they just love to eat really, really high fat, in which case this might be something that they could be more successful on. But like you said, there's so many soft foods and there's so many things that you just can't get, not only food-wise, but texture-wise. And so when you're relying strictly on these you know, soft foods and coffee is the only thing that excites you, that's hard to stick with. Now, I'm sure that people can make the argument that just like with any habit change, you have to just get used to it. But it's just a matter of, okay, what habits do you want to change and what things do you need to change and is it worth it? Right. And so on day six, restless sleep, I was super moody. I was sore from a workout that I had done three days prior, which was just not normal for me. It was my boyfriend at the time's birthday, now husband, so it all worked out, but... (laughs) 
I took him to dinner for his birthday, and it was really unfortunate because it was a place that he had been wanting to go for a long time, and I really couldn't eat any of the food. And they had these delicious Parker House rolls that everybody gets, and so there's the the um the smell of these rolls going through the entire <laughs> restaurant and I couldn't have any of them so the only thing that I could have there was this uh like a charcuterie board meat and cheese and so that's what I ordered as my dinner and I was just being a bitch about it you know I was like oh like I just want to like have a nice birthday dinner with you so I ate the meat and cheese it had some almonds on the tray and then there were even there was like some honeycomb and grapes and some other things that I couldn't have so I just had that with some wine, went home, got my keto strip, tested to see if I was still in ketosis. No, I was not in ketosis. From one stinking glass of wine, super low sugar wine, not a sweet wine, and some meat and cheese, a couple almonds, I was not in ketosis. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, I, I can't think of a movie that's made me cry more than that. <laughs> I ruined his birthday dinner for no reason. We did not have a good time together, and that's something that him and I really enjoy is going out to restaurant, new restaurants, trying new foods and enjoying that food together and having a good glass of wine. And I was not happy through that entire process and it was for nothing because I was kicked out of ketosis. So what I found was for my body and in the next time I did, so I did this experiment once and then once a few new ketogenic products came out and I wanted to try them to see if it would help boost my body to get into ketosis because I had a really hard time getting into it. I did another trial and what I found that and at that time my husband did it with me so I could compare myself to someone else. So I thought like this for some reason is it just my body is am I doing something wrong? So I had him do the same things as me and when he would test his body for ketones, he would be deep in ketosis and I still wasn't. So for whatever reason, my body did not enjoy this process. I never got that clarity feeling, that focus feeling that people got other than that one day. And so I started to question, like, what is it with me? I don't have this natural propensity towards these foods. And so I took a genetic test through 23andMe. So I got that genetic test. I got the raw data from that genetic test. I know this is kind of complicated, but I put it into basically a DNA reader called Prometheus. And what I found from that test is that my body has a specific gene polymorphism. So all that means is like something in my genetic code that's a little bit different that does not metabolize saturated fat well. And so, you know, I did all these things. I did all this testing and all these experiments just to find the thing that my body was trying to tell me from the beginning, which was, I don't want to eat this way. (laughs) So I think that we tend to say, no body, you're stupid, I'm going to do this anyway, and we don't take those natural inclinations into account. But if you're the type of person who your favorite food is mango and blueberries, ketogenic diet's probably not a good idea for you. And whether that's because you have a type of genetic polymorphism or whether that's because your body's going to have a hard time getting in ketosis for another reason, I think our bodies are really trying to push us towards the foods that we should be eating. And maybe that's part of, you know, where your ancestors are from and all of these things. So I'm not saying that everybody that's going to do the ketogenic diet is have going to have this same experience as me, but I think it's okay to say that, hey, this isn't really the best thing for my body. 
Well, it's good that you did it because it just kind of confirmed something you knew, exactly. but just hadn't really brought to the front of your mind. Now, you said your husband, Will, he did really, he got really into ketosis. Did he do the testing too? Did he have a feeling that he'd be more successful? So he did not do any of the genetic testing. He just kind of, he was able to thrive off of it a little bit better than I was. He felt better than I did. He didn't have all of the soreness that I did when I was working out. However, I think he was about day 11 or 12, and then he had a serious flu reaction Mm -hmm. in that it was just like flu symptoms to the point where he couldn't get out of bed. I have never seen him skip work or call off of work ever. He had to call off of work on this day. And guess what made him feel better? Carbs? Eating a donut. (laughs) He ate two donuts from 7-Eleven. And drank a Gatorade and felt amazing. That's the only time ever. Wait, that's crazy. Can you imagine calling your boss and being like, I can't come in. I've been eating fat for 12 days. I got the keto flu. So, okay, there you go. You heard it from a dietitian. It's okay to have a couple donuts when you've got the (laughs) keto flu and some Gatorade. Knock yourself out from 7-Eleven. That's where he wanted to go. It was just the closest thing. Like, he was so miserable that he was like, I just, if this will help me, I just need the quickest thing. Mm. Um, and it just happened to be a 7-Eleven. <laughs> Magic. Yeah. So I know there's some hardcore keto ketoers out there, and they're going to think that this entire conversation is bullshit because yeah. I didn't do it for three months or four months or six months, and that's how long it takes your body to get keto adapted. And you know what? You're probably right, but I wasn't willing to be miserable for six months. No. I'm, ju- I'm just not. And Well, you've already found the things that work for you with eating carbohydrates. And I know I can say the same for myself. Like, I know which foods make me feel really slumpy. I know which ones don't give me that mental energy and clarity. And I know which things really can, can mess with my weight if I eat them in excess. So there's not just one single way to eat that's right for everybody. It's being introspective and not just jumping on the latest diet that you hear about online and assuming it's going to work for you just because it worked for so-and-so and some celebrity that's getting paid stupid amounts of money to endorse it. So, you know, taking time to really get to know your body and get to know what you like and understanding why you like it is really important. What I found is that for most people that try this diet, it has a lifespan of about three months. Mm-hmm. So even for the people that do enjoy eating this way, I get a lot of clients that come in and say, okay, you know, I did this for a while. Sure, I saw some benefits from it, but now I'm looking for something that's more sustainable. Yeah, and like you said, uh, not only is it the sustainability aspect of, okay, here's the foods you have to eat, but then that social piece, kind of like when you were talking about going out to dinner with your husband, you miss out on those social events and things that make life fun and you feel ostracized and people start to, I don't want to say judge you, but people are going to not want to invite you to events that have food at them because they know they're just going to have to hear about your diet and ugh, like we all know somebody that only is talking about the latest diet that they're on and I would rather hang out by myself than hang out with them sometimes because it gets old. Yeah, it's you know, and that's one of the things that I found with clients that this diet does work with. It's usually males mm-hmm. who don't have family or, you know, their fa- their kids have already moved away and they're not 
like there's no one reliant on them to make the meals they're kind of on their own they don't really enjoy going out to dinner they don't get a whole lot of joy out of food they just kind of eat because they have to mm-hmm. so they're the type of person that they're not really interested in food they're not really interested in cooking they don't get a lot of joy out of going out to dinner those are the people that I've seen really thrive off of this because they're the type of people that are tell me what to eat and I'll eat it I really don't care I also have a client who has no taste buds <laughs> like oh. his, his something happened where he had to get I don't know he had an injury or surgery or something's going on where he can't taste anything he does keto because he doesn't care how foods taste <laughs> does he care about the texture no he's just kind of like mm, whatever I eat I eat and it's it's whatever. So he does wow. it, and it works well for him. But bet these are outliers, yes, guys. Yes, outliers. I bet, I bet there are so many people listening right now that are like, I wish that was my problem. Oh, no way. No <laughs> I know. Way. Well, you know that first the example you're talking about for somebody who would do well on keto? It reminds me of Anderson Cooper. Have you ever heard about how that guy eats? No. Anderson Cooper does not care about food. He does not. Okay. He, just, he eats, like, the same meal for about, like, 30 to 60 days, and it's usually just some, like frozen thing he doesn't care about going out to eat food doesn't excite him um when anthony bourdain was alive he did stuff with anthony bourdain who just like could not believe the way this guy (laughs) ate he eats like a robot and so i would say anderson cooper could try the keto diet i tell you I, i know that we can't like play videos and stuff on here but look up anderson cooper on youtube or something and just look up anderson cooper's eating habits it's weird i remember watching it and being like who is this alien how does he eat this way but there you go he's an example of somebody that would probably do better on the ketogenic diet than you and i So let's talk about something that we could take from this experience Mm. and then utilize that for our future. Okay. So I think that instead of like bad mouthing all of these diets, it's like take a step back and think about like what is good Mm. about this? Like what what good came out of this experience and what can I do for my future to maybe fuel my brain in the right way? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we did the Ketotarian diet together too, which is a... uh, plant-based spinoff off the ketogenic diet. So it's got a lot of the same concepts where you're not eating high carbohydrate, but you are eating a lot of plants and you're not eating as much, well, you're not eating any animal protein unless you allow yourself to have eggs and some fish. So it was really a lot of plants and oil, essentially. (laughs) Uh, And I remember doing it and what I really liked about it was how it forced me to cook. Like, there were no shortcuts. I mean, even prepping snacks, you had to prepare them. Those keto bombs, I mean, you had to cook them and then freeze them and then pack them and then plant them and have a fridge to keep them cool and so they weren't melting. So it really slows you down. For, you know, it makes you yeah. be more mindful of, okay, I get to prepare my food. None of the recipes were quick and easy. A lot of the ones that at least I chose to do, I was like sleeping in the kitchen, <laughs> pouring so much oil on everything. I can still feel it seeping out of my pores right now. But that that was a benefit is, okay, I have to cook. Like the benefits of cooking. And then you, you do, you feel good when you cook yourself a meal. And that's very similar to any diet. I mean, oh, yeah. whether you're doing paleo, whether you're doing Whole30, whether you're doing Weight Watchers, you all of a sudden have to think about where your food is coming from. You have to be intentional about it in order to follow these so-called rules within the diet. So I do think that's a benefit that it gets people to be more intentional about it. But on the other side of that is, do the are these rules relevant to me or are they just a set of arbitrary rules that somebody wrote and decided this is a good thing to follow you have to really ask yourself do these rules make sense 
for me. And I think for me, the main thing was cutting out carbohydrates completely was not a rule that was relevant to my lifestyle. It wasn't something that I wanted to continue to do. It wasn't something that I saw a benefit from. But one of the things from the ketogenic diet that I did continue was keeping full fat products in my life. So instead of doing like 2% yogurt or 2% cheese, like doing the real stuff that's really going to up that satisfaction factor of food was something that I really enjoyed and I can continue to do over time, as well as making sure that I was not afraid of fat because Mm -hmm. I think that was something at least for me growing up like being you know a teenager in high school and even in college the low fat craze was still a big thing you know eating the fat free snack wells cookies and getting fat free peanut butter like that was still a thing just kind of somewhere in the back of my mind that like oh don't eat fat it's got a lot of calories like you will get fat if you eat fat <laughs> what was that accent speaking it's of like, aliens what planet are you from it's a guy in the back of my mind that's telling me the things that's i shouldn't the, believe that's your internal voice <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Me and my internal voice had a lot of fun together. I like your internal voice. By the way, I'm an only child, in case you were wondering. Hey, I'm an only child too, but that's... (laughs) Actually, you know what's effed up though, is I have a lot of voices in my head, so that's a different podcast. (laughs) But none of them are, like, some Middle Eastern... ketogenic diet one thing that I kept was not being afraid of fat like throw some avocado on those eggs in the morning like it's going to increase that satisfaction signal to your brain that is what fat does that is something that people don't think about when you eat a meal without any fat in it when you eat that chicken and broccoli and brown rice there's no fat there so you eat that meal and then the next thing you think within 30 minutes is when do I get to eat again? Yeah, and then you feel bad about yourself. You're like, but I, why am I hungry again? And, and then it's just a, just that horrible feeling that I think anybody that's been on a diet can relate to. And if I could get in a time machine and go back to whenever whoever it was was naming the macronutrients, I would say, why are we naming fat fat? Why do we have the yeah, same name for such right. a valuable nu- macronutrient and then relating it to something that's got a negative connotation with body weight? So why are they the same name? Can we please just like as a society vote to change the name of at least one of them? Can we stop calling the macronutrient fat fat and call it something else? Agreed. I mean, if you guys have any I ideas. Have a, I don't have an idea, but, but, but we, yeah. It's a proposal, you know, it's just something in the making because that's, I think, something that really perpetuates fear. Yeah, brain food. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's deep. So I think a lot of times people come in there and they're like, what do you mean eat full fat products? What do you mean add fat to my diet? Won't that make me fat? And just like we were talking about in a different episode, those deep ingrained beliefs we have about food, sometimes those little things never leave the back of our mind and we're always worried about them. And sometimes they have an accent from Romania. And Yeah, <laughs> make you feel really scared and you're like, who do I work with? <laughs> Is this the right idea? <laughs> but exactly, it, it, sometimes we have those little um, things give, making us feel fearful. And kind of remind, when you were talking about that, you know, back being a teenager when fat was 
bad, and now it seems like with the youth that carbs are bad. Mm -hmm. I wonder what kids growing up now are going to be thinking about carbohydrates and what's going to be demonized as sugar. Yeah, because sugar is the devil right now. So, Mm. so yeah, that's that's a good point. And maybe the clients we're seeing twenty years from now, they'll be dealing with those kind of issues, whereas they won't have a problem eating an avocado, but pairing the Ezekiel bread with it, that's another story. Oh, I think that's already starting. Can you imagine, what if there's an opposite of keto that's literally all sugar? Like, (laughs) I stopped eating everything but refined sugar and processed foods, and I, now I'm, I don't even know. Yeah, there's everything out there. There's a fruitarian diet. The raw food. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's a little bit of everything out there, and hey, if that works for you, I'm not going to judge you I'm probably not going to try that one myself to be honest but but yeah so I guess like final thoughts on the ketogenic diet is it can work for some people it does have certain benefits It, it is it can be viable but for most people for the general population for people that enjoy going out to dinners with their family who enjoy eating the same foods as their family, because your kid is not going to eat ketogenic, nor should they have to. Don't put that on them. Um, For people who like to go try new restaurants, and for people who just plain enjoy carbohydrates, I would say this is probably not the thing that's going to be sustainable for you. And maybe you could do it for two months, or maybe you could do it for three months, but at the end of that, you're going to be sitting there asking yourself, what next? And you're going to have to come up with another diet, or you're going to have to go see another dietitian. And that's what I've found for the people who've been really adamant, I want to try it. There comes a point where they want it to end. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the big thing here is anything that you're going to change, is it something that you can do for the long haul? And I know we say it over and over and over and over again, and we will continue to because that's what works. Just say it again for us, please. <laughs> if you don't want to do it forever, just don't start. I don't know about you, but I get like this weird, sick professional pleasure when I have people come in and they're so like done with a restrictive diet. And when they start to get these results from eating in a sustainable, more balanced way, and they're just like, I can't believe like how great I feel. I can't believe all these things. And happy. And I'm so much happier. Yes. Oh my gosh. They come in, they're like, oh, things have been going so well. And, and I just... I just it just makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, and they don't have to use their willpower at every single meal. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't have to use my willpower to eat this food that I actually already enjoy. I'm actually enjoying it. So now I have willpower to do other things. Yeah, and it's amazing when you can help somebody who's never felt that way with food before because they've always been on a diet, they've always been restricting something. It's liberating. I can't think of a better word. It's liberating. I'll never forget, I had a client, uh, it was within the first two years that I started my practice, and I told her that putting lentils on her salad every day was going to really change her energy levels because she would eat these salads that was just like vegetables without any type of carbohydrate in them and chicken, and I told her to start put. she said she really enjoyed lentils, but she hadn't had them in years because they're full of carbohydrates, and I told her to start putting lentils on her salad, and she said the next time she was at the place where she gets the salad and she put lentils on them, she, like, had tears of joy in her eyes that she got to put lentils on her salad, and then realizing that she had so much more sustained energy throughout that afternoon, and she wasn't reaching for the cookies and the chocolate an hour later and she was able to eat at that place and not get this big cookie that she always was tempted to get afterwards because guess what she had energy from those lentils tears lentil tears (laughs) i can't think of anything that i you know worth crying more about because that's a it's a big deal and a lot of times i know you probably see this all the time we get people come in they're like i 
I, at night, I can't stop eating all these carbohydrate foods. That's my craving time. I can't say no to any of the treats I have in my house in the evening. Well, when you hear about what they're talk, what they're eating throughout the day, it's very unbalanced. They're either not having any carbohydrates throughout the day or not having any fat at all. And so when you have that more balanced approach to make sure that every time you eat or more often than usual when you can control it, that you're having a well-balanced meal, that you're letting yourself enjoy those healthy carbohydrates and healthy fats, because in the long run, that's just gonna help you later in the day. I always tell people what you eat in the morning is gonna help your decision-making in the afternoon. Don't be afraid of calories from carbohydrates because they're gonna make you feel satisfied, they're gonna make you feel happy, and just like Lentil Lady, it's gonna help you say no to that giant chocolate chip cookie. So hopefully we've explained this well, kind of what the ketogenic diet is, what its beginnings were, um, what you have to do or endure to stay on this ketogenic diet, the type of person who might thrive off of this and the type of person who won't thrive off of this, and then also shared some of our personal experiences with the ketogenic diet. Yeah, and if you guys have any more questions that we didn't specifically touch on about the ketogenic diet, first check our blog on orlandodietitian.com because Megan's wrote about the ketogenic diet, we wrote about the ketotarian diet. You might find that your question is answered there. Otherwise, feel free to shoot us an email. You can shoot me an email at kate at orlandodietitian.com or megan at orlandodietitian.com and we will see what we can do for you. Yeah, and if you're ready to quit the keto diet, if you've been doing it for a while and you're ready to quit and transition onto something that you do feel is more sustainable we can definitely help you with that or if you were the person that before listening to this podcast you kind of question is the ketogenic diet right for me and now you're you're questioning well maybe based on some of the things they said I can kind of relate to that it may not be right for me we can sit down with you and help you to determine something that will be right for you absolutely all right guys well that is it for today's episode we will see you next week Feel free to subscribe to this podcast. Wink, wink. We would love it so much. All right, you guys have an awesome day. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, keep it real, 